1: fruit loops episode 178 thank you so much for being here with us and for listening we t to all my griffina fam out there and bienvenidos bitches fruit loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that we don't hear know much about contrary to popular belief not all serial killers are straight cisgender Let me let me tell you something. Let me tell. I said what I said. I said what I said. Now, there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and the victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because the news is racist. I said what I said, (laughs) allegedly.
0: And we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth. And I just happen to be white. Oh, you know what? Look, it.
1: It's not her fault. It's not a big deal. She's
0: a wonderful, wonderful person.
1: She's one of the good ones. And we love her so much. Be like Beth. Hashtag be like Beth.
0: We're not journalists, investigators or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. <laughs> <laughs> and we may feature it on a future episode.
1: Also, our website is FruitloopsPod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a Fruit Loops Patreon. You can also support us by supporting our sponsors.
0: Please do. Yeah. Now, who are we talking about today, Beth? Well, today we're talking about Menhaz Zaman, a 23-year-old Bangladeshi Canadian who murdered his entire family, all while chatting with his fellow video game players in real time. This was a, a wild case wild. to
1: yeah. look into. And um, I know Minnie wasn't involved in the research, but I kept meaning to ask,
0: Minnie, have you heard of this? <laughs> because <laughs> isn't she a gamer? Yeah, I should have. She is. And I should have given this case to her, but I actually, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I should
1: look at us. Well, we're all fired. <laughs> um, maybe Elon Musk will hire us. But before we get into all that, how you doing?
0: I'm doing good, and I wanted to wish all our fruities out there a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, and a happy Native American Heritage Day. Hell yeah! Yeah. In case you didn't know, now you know. It's always the day after Thanksgiving, and fuck Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yes. I love. I love it. Um, remember to look up what land you might be occupying and learn a little something about the indigenous people who were there before you. <laughs> yes. Um yes. and who are still you know, maybe there's something you can um do, an activity that you can do um in solidarity and uh to support the indigenous communities around you. Um, yeah. I uh found a snake this weekend. You that found was fun. a snake? Yep, in the backyard. Um We're not great at identifying snakes yet, but it could have been a copperhead. It also could have been a harmless water snake. I don't know which. um, But, you know, one of the first things I purchased when we moved here on Amazon was a snake grabber. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so we just... Picked that little guy up and relocated him somewhere down the Aww. street in the neighbor's backyard. So, awesome. anyway, um, he's alive, Sweet. just not in my backyard, not in your backyard anymore. Amen. Now let's get into some listener letters. Oh. Thank you, angels.
0: Thank you. What's in that
1: bag, Beth? What did they
0: bring us? Well, I wanted to say thanks to Jesse who commented on our YouTube channel, and yeah, Whoa. we got a YouTube. Channel. <laughs> what? Wow! Finally,
1: look at us doing stuff. Thank you, Jesse. Yeah, thank you. Wait. Um, historically YouTube comments are not very nice. They're actually some of the worst comments really you can nice. find on the internet. Okay. Oh, yeah, thank, you, really nice. yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you. It was really Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <Jessie>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got a new Patreon this week, Sam. So right, Sam, yeah. this tune is for you. This hip hop air horn is for you before I forget, And here goes. s-s-s-s-sam Sis, <laughs> Sam, Sis, Sister Sam is a Patreon. I want to be yours, little fruity, yours and yours alone. And I'm here to thank you, Sammy, for your Patreon. Banana, <laughs> I'm so <Someone>.
0: stupid. <laughs> thank you, Sam.
1: <laughs> so. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break and get back into the story when we come back.
2: (laughs) Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects.
0: All right, we are back. Remind us, Beth, who is our subject today? Our subject today is Menhaz Zaman, a family annihilator in Ontario, Canada. Oh, right. So Toronto is a city
1: in the state of Ontario.
0: Is that right? Correct. Okay. So yeah, Ontario is a province, which is like our state. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just call it a province. Got it, got it. So Toronto is in Ontario, which is in Canada.
1: Okay, got it. And it's pronounced Toronto. That's what the natives say.
0: Toronto. Learn that okay. from Hannah's Tale.
1: No problem. Right. No problem. Toronto. I just don't want Toronto <laughs> Toronto Fruit Loops to come at us with the negative, you know, reviews. They said Toronto wrong.
0: I'm a, um, I'm an American white lady. I say Toronto. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. With that said, let's get into some stats. All right. So as Beth said, he's a family annihilator and his victims were his mother, grandmother, sister, and father. His mother was Momtaz Begum, 50 years old. His grandmother was Firosa Begum, 70. His sister was Malesa Zaman, 21. His father was Moni Ruz Zaman, 59. Um, So rest in power to his entire family Um, and also the community as well. Probably this was a difficult, very
0: affected. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. So um, thoughts and prayers to everybody in in this uh, individual's wake. Let's get into the setting. Take us there, Beth.
0: Well, the setting is Markham, a city in the regional municipality of York, Ontario, in Canada. It is located about 30 kilometers or 19 miles northeast of downtown Toronto. The area that would become Markham was originally home to First Nations, and the name Canada likely comes from the Huron-Iroquois word, Kanata meaning village or settlement. Uh
1: Well, the area of Markham was first settled by the Iroquois people around 1000 AD. By the 17th century, five different tribes speaking related languages, the Mohawk, Seneca, Cayuga, Onondaga, and Oneida peoples, formed a federation called the Five Iroquois Nations.
0: In 1608, the French founded a colony in Quebec City, and from there established settlements along the shores of St. Lawrence River. They began to explore further inland and laid claims to the lands where Markham now stands. In 1663, King Louis XIV decided to make what they called New France into a royal province. Britain and France
1: competed and fought intensely for land and trade on the American continent. But in 1756, the Seven Years' War in Europe began, and the American phase of this conflict, the French
0: and Indian War, settled the fate of New France. In 1763, with Britain's victory in the Seven Years' War with France, the French king ceded his colony of New France to Britain. The province of Quebec was created, which extended to just west of the Ottawa River.
1: Oh, my God. I heard a really funny joke about colonization, that colonizers' food was so bad that they had to colonize the world just to get extra herbs and spices to make
0: (laughs) their food better. It's it's actually true. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, I mean, what, so- <laughs> what would we be eating with all
1: those spices I, you know i don't know it's if it doesn't have libraries in it i don't want it now i just thought that that was uh it was, I mean, obviously an oversimplification and reductive, but it was hilarious. Yeah, um, yeah. if you, if you know, if you forget all the murder stuff um, and st- theft, it right is hilarious. Yeah, you know,
0: rape and <laughs> yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Get yeah, yeah, that. yeah,
1: hilarious. <laughs> uh, so the territory to the west of that line, including where Markham stands today, was designated as quote. Indian territories, unquote. But the Quebec Act of 1774 extended the boundaries of the province of Quebec
0: westward. In 1783, Britain had to recognize the independence of the new United States of America, and many British loyalists who'd fled from the United States settled in the western part of Quebec territory. That's funny.
1: They were like, ugh. Fine. (laughs) You can be the United States. But we're not staying here. So in 1791, British Parliament passed a constitutional act that divided the territory into two provinces, the eastern province to be called Lower Canada corresponding to what is now the Canadian province of Quebec. That's why they speak France, I think. Yes,
0: the first settlers were French. Oh, dear.
1: I should have been paying attention. I'm just kidding. I was. (laughs) And the western part to be called Upper Canada, corresponding to what is now called the province of Ontario.
0: From 1793 to 1794, the township of Markham, located in Upper Canada, was surveyed into farm lots. Emigres to Markham included a group of German settlers, referred to as the Berksey settlers, hmm. some Pennsylvania Dutch communities from the United States, and French aristocrats who had fled to Great Britain to escape the upheavals of the French Revolution.
1: This latter group had become a burden on the British government,
0: who, as a result, arranged for their immigration to Upper
1: Canada. LOL. Goodbye! Bye! I'm just imagining. I, oh, this is so so funny it is. To me. It is, and it's so <laughs> petty. and, and I the only one who sees it this way? Like, uh, <laughs> so uh, it's like a bad breakup. Um, yeah, no, yeah. They were not well suited to the harsh climate and the
0: remoteness of the area, and eventually, most of them sold their holdings. By contrast, the Pennsylvania Dutch settlers, having lived and worked in Pennsylvania, adapted easily to their new country. So, in the early years, Markham, as a community, had a distinctly German character. The township's many rivers and streams soon supported a water power saw, plus grain and wool mills. Wow! Wow! wow. Moving up in the world. Oh my God! Yeah. Hey, have you been to? Um, have you been they to have Toronto? Everything. <laughs> uh, I don't believe I've been to Toronto.
1: I've been to Quebec. Okay. Okay. So in 1837, armed rebellions broke out in both Upper and Lower Canada. French-Canadian nationals felt pitted against a British-dominated colonial regime. Although the rebellions in Upper and Lower Canada were both defeated militarily the following year, they did result in Upper and Lower Canada being reunited under one single government.
0: British Parliament passed the British North America Act in 1867, and on July 1st, 1867, the provinces of Canada, Nova Scotia, and And New Brunswick became one dominion under the name of Canada. Mm. The province of Canada was then split back into two provinces, one called Quebec and the other Ontario.
1: A quick Nova Scotia um, fact is they were African people or black people in Nova Scotia and they invented hockey in Nova Scotia, the Black oh, people. Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by the middle of the century, most of Markham Township had been cleared of forest and much of the land was under cultivation. Over time, the population increased and specialized industries began to spring up, such as wagon works, tanneries, farm implement manufacturers, and furniture factories. Wow. wow.
0: <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> By 1900, Markham Village had a population of 950.
2: Wow,
0: you can really dance! (laughs) But railway links and improved connections through telegraph and telephone and the advent of the automobile diminished the industrial role of the township of Markham. Local industries could not compete with the larger factories in Toronto. As a result, Markham Township slowly returned to its old identity as an agricultural community.
1: It's like when you try a new hairstyle and you're like, you know what, this just yeah, isn't like going to work for me. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to go back to what works.
0: The old one. Yeah. So
1: the outbreak of World War One in 1914 spurred Canada toward full sovereignty. When the war was over, the feeling had grown among Canadians that it was time for them to decide for themselves what their relationship with the rest of the world would be. Canadians did not want to be automatically at war when Britain was at war. By 1949, Canada assumed status as a fully sovereign country. In
0: 1971, Markham absorbed several other neighboring villages. The opening of a highway in the mid-1970s and urban sprawl from Toronto further accelerated the development of the town. Markham achieved city status in 2012 and currently has a Population of approximately 340,000 people. Markham's progress has been stimulated by immigration, and the city has in recent years attracted a new dynamic
1: and multicultural population. Especially significant in the last quarter century has been immigration from Asia, with almost 30% of Markham's current population being of Chinese origin and 20% from South Asia, with high concentrations of Bangladeshis living in Toronto.
0: There are cultural conflicts between the community's first generation immigrant parents often high achievers forced to take survival jobs in Canada, and the children raised there. Frustrated with their own careers, parents want their children to be successful in all aspects of life, and failure is something such families have a hard time accepting. Mm, I'm so glad you put that in there,
1: (laughs) because it comes back (laughs) later in my tips. And it's difficult for the children to balance Canadian and traditional cultures, as essentially they are living in two different worlds. and. You know what is a really great, more positive depiction of this struggle is the movie Seeing Red, or uh, maybe it's Turning Red on Disney Plus. Oh, with yeah, the little with the, the girl, red yeah. Panda. Yeah. Yeah, she, yeah. She has an Asian mother and a, a French Canadian father, and she's balancing this to Both these two worlds. It's it, so. Cultures. Yeah, if you're yeah. curious what that might be like. Um, so, there are topics such as homosexuality and drugs that are taboo, as well as strong stigma around seeking mental health support or publicly discussing mental health or suicide in the community.
0: Now, let's talk a little bit about Family Annihilators Thank you. <laughs> (laughs) I've been dying to know. (laughs) Most family annihilators are men who want to escape the shackles of domestic life and or financial hardship, Mm. and they convince themselves their families are better off dead than ruined. That's not to say that women are not family annihilators. We have covered one, but the majority are men. Yeah,
1: that's really, um, that is interesting. I'm so glad to see that also being um, part of the story because... Um, the, the idea of better off dead than ruined is yeah, Nuts. entirely fabricated by society, that's right? True. No, that's yeah. that's yeah. To- that's toxicity, uh, and um, really awful and has horrific consequences. Right. So this follows through on Parasite as well. Parasite is the murder of a parent and is more often committed by a son than a daughter. The top five motives for youthful Parasite done by someone 24 or younger are issues of control at 38%, issues of money, 10%, to stop abuse of self or family, 8%, done in a fit of anger at 8%, and wanting a different life at 7%.
0: Sociologist Neil Websdale, director of the Family Violence Institute at Northern Arizona University and an expert on family annihilators, divides these types of perpetrators into two groups. In the first, killers are motivated by revenge. In the other, they're spurred by a diluted form of altruism, Hmm. a twisted sense that to kill one's family is to save them from some unthinkable grief. It's 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 just really fascinating
1: to me, which is why yeah. we do this show. On with it. According to <laughs> Professor David Wilson of Birmingham City University, family annihilators are overwhelmingly not known to criminal justice or mental health services. That is um, significant. Yeah. According to Neil Webdale, quote, often they're squeaky clean, repressed, and there's a lot of family pressure. The shame of not doing what one is supposed to do leads to an explosion of violence. There's an element of misguided care, unquote. Hmm. So now it's time to dive in Menha Zaman's early life. What do you got for
0: us, Beth? In the late 80s, Monaruz Zaman, described as a serious young man, immigrated from Bangladesh to Canada, seeking a better life for himself and his future children. His parents arranged a marriage for him, and his young wife, Montaz Begum, soon followed him to Canada. So in 1996, their son Menaz was born,
1: and two years later, they had a daughter that they called Malesa, a Bengali twist on the name Melissa. I think that's beautiful. It is. Moniru's established himself at a local taxi business. By 2011, he was working for Beck Taxi, where he was recognized as one of the company's outstanding drivers of the month several times.
0: They were able to save enough money to buy a house and then some rental properties, mm. which Momtaz managed. They also rented out the basement of their home to tenants. Momtaz's mother, Firoza, soon emigrated from Bangladesh, too, often caring for the children while they their parents worked.
1: Acquaintances said that they were a happy social family that enjoyed spending time with friends and were very involved in the Bangladeshi community. The couple was proud of their roots and made sure their son and daughter were respectful of their Bangladeshi heritage. They taught their children the importance of family and a strong work ethic.
0: Momtaz Zaman was described by friends as a charming woman and a nurturer who was constantly smiling. She loved to cook and take pictures. When she and her friends went out for meals, she often picked up the check. She offered rides to friends who needed them
1: once a neighbor told her that her food reminded him of his mother's back home after that she'd regularly spend hours preparing curries for him then carry them down the street to his house moniruz was more introverted described as a very quiet soft-speaking polite gentleman he was humble industrious and deeply devoted to his muslim faith
0: moniruz wanted manas to become an engineer According to a close family friend, quote, in our community, you have to be a doctor or an engineer, unquote. Mm. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> I can two, relate those are the two careers yeah, you can have.
1: That's, that's it. What about yeah, podcaster? no, nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. That's not on the list. <laughs>
0: Menaz was a dutiful son, and he was reportedly his parents' favorite, Mm. and his mother doted on him. Around strangers,
1: Menaz was shy. At school, he kept to himself. He was a decent student, enrolled in the physics, chemistry, and math classes that would get him into an engineering program, like his father wanted. He didn't initiate conversations or raise his hand in class. He didn't date or go to
0: parties. Menaz's parents often bragged about their son. They'd proudly tell everyone that he always put his family first and that he was going to get an engineering degree. So he had a bright future ahead.
1: I wonder if his parents told him that, you know, they thought he had a bright future or if they just it was just something they told other people, because sometimes... When our parents are proud of us, um, we don't know. We're like
0: the last ones to know. They don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just Um, curious. But it seems to me like he knew that that's what he had to do anyway. Yeah. Regardless.
1: Yeah. You're right. Although Malesa was devoted to her family and to Islam, like many teenagers, she was a little rebellious in high school. There was some tension between Malesa and her parents, and they often fought. But a lifelong friend of hers said, quote, she had the sweetest heart and was always willing to listen and care for everyone she knew, unquote.
0: When his parents and Melissa fought, Menaz would sometimes try to intervene, but often he would just put on headphones and play video games to drown out the yelling. By 2019, Melissa was at university and was planning to become a neurosurgeon.
1: Whoa! That's a, yeah. that's amazing that somebody can have that thought. Like. It, never in my like, wildest I <laughs> what a neurosurgeon? Uh, is it yeah. am I being punked? Not, like, wow. I just think that I is ever thought of. Yeah, that yeah. is incredible for a woman of color first generation to be like, I'm gonna be a neurosurgeon, y'all. I just think it's really cool. <laughs> That same year, Menaz left the house every day to catch the bus for York University, where he told his parents he was studying mechanical engineering. He had never really been in any trouble in his entire life.
0: Although their marriage had been arranged, friends said that Monaruz and Momtas were very much in love. And in June of 2019, they celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary with friends and family. Mm. Menaz made a slideshow for the party and gave a speech (laughs) telling everyone how lucky he was to have parents as kind and generous as his were. And everyone clapped. To her friends, Momtaz always talked about how well her son was doing.
1: Menaz was excelling in his mechanical engineering program at York University, she told
0: them, and still going to mosque with his father. Menaz was due to graduate on July 28th, and there were discussions about him doing a master's degree afterwards. But he had a secret. Uh-oh. There wasn't going to be a graduation. No. For three years, he'd been faking going to school, Whoa! but he had a plan for how he was going to avoid telling his parents. Wow. I didn't
1: I I don't think I computed that this ruse went on for 3, three whole years. years. Yeah. No books? No homework assignments? <laughs> no study groups? No nothing. No, no. Uh, late nights? No. Whoa. Okay. Come play with us.
0: Hello, this is Gary Chachot, welcoming you to check out the French
2: History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that.
1: now it's time to get into the timeline. So Zaman hadn't started at York University at Oh, He had enrolled at a local college, but he'd quickly failed out. And despite being given the chance to repeat his classes, he dropped out for
0: good after a couple of semesters. But he still left the house every day, pretending he was going to York University. Huh? Every Monday through Thursday morning, he walked down to the bus stop on 16th Avenue, where crowds of York students from the neighborhood waited every day, many of them his former high school classmates.
1: And we should also, I mean, his parents were immigrant people with this mentality of hard work and they weren't yet retired, right? So it's totally right. plausible that they just, they didn't notice the details, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The, and the devil is in the details. So right. he'd arrive on campus, then wander the school grounds for hours or find somewhere quiet to sit. In the afternoons, he'd work out at the gym near his house before heading home or he'd get off the bus at the mall and
0: walk around, eventually finding a seat in the food court where he could use his laptop. His family didn't suspect anything in Zaman's behavior at home raised no suspicions. He told his parents he had a full scholarship and that he earned excellent grades. At the same time, he was growing disillusioned with Islam and he identified himself online as an atheist.
1: Oh, I was also just going to say another thing in my experience um, as uh, the kid of an immigrant is like your scholarship funds, your grades, all that stuff. Your parents just want to know that it's OK right? They're not checking the grades They're not calling the financial aid offices. Like you have to take care of that stuff
0: yourself and just get it done. Right. So I just wanted to point that. Yeah. Out. I was, I was curious about that because my parents were super nosy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, let me see your grades. Your grades, show me your report card. And they were, you know, checking everything.
1: Right, so (laughs) what was he doing all that time alone on campus or at the mall? Well, (laughs) he was playing a modified video game called Perfect World Void. Perfect World is a multiplayer online role-playing game developed by a Chinese online gaming company.
0: It's been online since 2006 with international servers since 2008. It's easily accessible and international, so people from all over the world play it. It's heavily influenced by Chinese mythology and set in the mythical world of Pangu. Characters are highly customizable, which players really like. And private servers allow for modifications of the game,
1: and Perfect World Void was one modification of the game on a private server. Zaman was spending so much time on Perfect World Void that some friends say he'd be playing when they logged off to go to sleep at night and still be there
0: when they logged back on In the morning. What? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Molin Ayub, whose username was Maroon, a software engineering student from Israel, ran the server. He said the one rule on Perfect World Void was that there were no rules, which he readily admits allowed for more toxicity. Yeah, that's not a good rule. Yeah, no, it's a bad rule. (laughs) Austin from Texas was also an admin and moderator. We'll be using the usernames when talking about the game, and Zaman's was Menaz. So
1: uh, there were a number of trolls on Perfect World Void. One player commented, quote, If you're not a troll on Perfect World, you will be the victim, unquote. Female players often use masculine names and characters because you know how women are treated on the internet and on video games in particular. Remember Gamergate? Um yeah. or just yeah. we're treated like everyday rich. life <laughs> yeah. on the internet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um yep. yeah,
1: women are not safe on the internet.
0: Yeah, there was a forum that I used to post on back in the day when everybody posted on forums. Oh. And the men got so like nasty. Nasty and awful that after a while there were no women on the forum anymore. Wow. And it happened so gradually that I don't think people noticed until, you know, the women like, were all gone. All of a sudden they looked up and they're like, <laughs> yeah, they're like where's Whoa. all where, where are all the women at? I, I, yeah, yeah, you trolled us all off. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> that's so interesting that it's almost like in my mind, what did you what do you expect to happen when you troll people? And you if you, yeah. if you want a place to be like fun and safe and cool, like if you make it not that then would you want to be on it if you are a troll like and what we know about trolls is they tend to be really unhappy people on the inside and so
0: unhappy and angry yeah yes thank you for sharing your internet truth with (laughs) us beth Some of the Perfect World Void trolls described Menas as the biggest troll oh. in the game. Oh, His character was an elf cleric responsible for healing others, and he was known to be a decent player. He attributed his social difficulties to autism, a diagnosis most friends doubt he ever had, hmm. and called himself the most famous autist in the game, I don't
1: think that's. I mean, I'm I'm on a that's neurodivergent a yeah, uh, yeah journey myself, and I um, don't think that's how. They refer to themselves in the within no. the community, so no. Clearly, he's a big fat liar. So <laughs> his trolling was initially described by players as lighthearted. He liked to make edgy comments and jokes, but that changed gradually over time. He began to deride Islam and use racial slurs. Uh, he talked about suicide a lot, but made it seem like a dark joke. And did you watch the documentary?
0: Yeah. I did. Okay.
1: So yeah, that um, that. G- girl, I can't remember what her name was. Nicole. Yes. Oh, she was like he was saying some wild stuff that would have got anybody else kicked off, kicked or off, sent yeah. to like internet jail immediately. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He also began talking about killing his family, Mm -hmm. a disturbing development that players considered a bad joke. Mm. Even when he attached a date to when he would do the act, people just thought he wanted to make it even darker and then troll everyone on the date that he said. Wow.
1: So the Mena's accounts actions became so extreme that on July 11th he got temporarily banned we all know how effective temporary bans are on the internet right yeah so for yeah. making racist comments quite a feat on a game that had no rules he particularly... <laughs> targeted muslim immigrants
0: austin would ban him when too many people complained about his behavior but then would let him back in because they were friends and he felt bad for menas because he had no friends in real life mm. menas once told a fellow player that he was grateful that he had made friends on the forum that he could talk to
1: i see all the humanity around and the people around him but yeah. i um I don't know what to make of all this. So yeah. Discord is software used by hundreds of millions of gamers around the world to communicate online. And a lot of communications between players on PWV, Perfect World Void, was on Discord. Menas talked about leaving the game. When his friends asked where he'd go instead, he replied, quote, Perfect World Jail. Gonna kill my parents and go to jail, yo, unquote, not, I, I, I'm not going to turn that into a drop cause
0: it's not cool. Uh,
1: and his yeah. friends just shrugged it off.
0: He changed his online handle in Perfect World Void to Subhuman Mm. and then Don't Deserve Life. Whoa! He spoke to his friends online about killing himself, always framing his comments as jokes. His fellow gamers were never really sure whether or not to take him seriously. So his comments had always been like problematic,
1: but things really ramp up like After his parents' anniversary, July 11th, and now we cut to July 25th. Menas said in a group chat, I'm here just to have fun, and posted random pictures from the game. Then he said that his life was about to end because someone had tipped off the authorities regarding some sort of plan that he had hatched. Nobody realized what it meant. After that, the Menas account went quiet.
0: On July 27th, 2019, it being summer, a lot of people were playing on the Perfect World Void server. They remember Menaz was just acting normal, playing the game and joking around. Zaman's dad was at work, and his sister was at her part-time job at a grocery store. Montez's mother, Firoza, who had her own apartment in Toronto, was visiting the family that weekend.
1: Mother and daughter were napping around 3 p.m. when Menaz killed his mother by hitting her with a crowbar, then slitting her throat with a kitchen knife. Yikes. Then he did the same thing to his grandmother. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: After the two murders, Zaman waited for the return of his sister and father, spending his time playing video games and napping. One Perfect World Void member, John, noticed that Menas had grown particularly quiet, and around 10 p.m., he sent a chat to check up on him. Menas told John in a Discord message, that he
1: had killed mother and grandmother and sent graphic pictures of two women on the ground
0: covered in blood. John thought he was trolling, but he was disturbed by the photos. He started a different Discord chat with other Perfect World Void players and asked people to check if the photos could be found on the internet. He thought that Menes had pulled the images from the internet as part of a bad joke. I think any of us would have been like, (laughs) (laughs) "Yeah, (laughs) okay, bro. Uh, Did you post on uh,
1: forums when they were popular? I I mean, if you consider Black Planet and Myspace um, forums, yes. forums.
0: (laughs) So there was always somebody who was playing some kind of joke like they would fake that they were like a family member and say that the person died and then it would turn out that they didn't die. Yeah, there was always shit like going on. A lot. I'm concerned. Our culture, So I can totally see <laughs> these people being like, yeah, this guy's full of shit. You oh, know?
1: my God. I didn't I guess I didn't realize I, I, I'm new to this culture, Beth. So thank you for illuminating
0: that for us. I did not realize <laughs> no, this was in the like early 2000s yeah. when I was posting. So yeah. that's what was going on then. Yeah, I, I, I've i never really posted or used Discord, so I don't really know. Yeah, what goes I don't on there. use
1: Discord either, but I know that it, Discord is still a very active place uh, yeah. on the Internet. But uh, yeah. never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I would see a murder unfold. Yeah. Um, or multiple dis- murders. Yeah. yeah so yeah. here we go. So the group searched in vain to find the photos on the internet, doing Google searches and other image searches, but could not find them anywhere. Slowly, it dawned on the players that Menaz
0: might be telling the truth. The gamers were, for the moment, the only people in the world who knew about the homicides. Then Menaz said he was going to kill his sister when she came home from work in about five minutes. Oh my God.
1: So the gamers panicked and they decided to act. So they're working together. They're trying to, uh, you know, uh, track the person behind the Menaz accounts, real world address in order to alert the police, try to save his sister. What's the IP address? What's the IP address? Call the, <laughs> But they didn't know his real name and they didn't
0: even know what country he lived in. So they attempted to learn more more about him by going through old chats. But they were unable to save his sister. Mm. When Melissa came home from work at around 11 p.m., Zaman struck her over the head with a crowbar, leaving her to bleed out on the floor. He then sent a picture of her dead body over chat, still wearing her name tag, which was pinned to her work shirt. Mm. To prove that it was
1: his family that he had slain, and I don't know why he felt the need to say, I'm going to do bad stuff and then prove to you guys I'm going to do bad stuff. Uh, Mena shared a photo of the family together while they were alive, cutting what appeared to be a birthday cake. He then told John and the others that he was, quote, waiting for his dad to come home to kill him in about an hour.
0: Unquote. By then, the gamers not only believed the murders were real, but they were ongoing and they had only an hour to prevent the next death. They tried to keep him on the computer and talking. They asked him why he did it, why he didn't confide in anyone, why he felt like murder was the only way out. And they were trying to keep him talking so that he wouldn't murder his father. Mm. So in response, someone wrote,
1: quote, it's been my plan for three years. I literally told my parents my uni graduation was July 28th. I couldn't have delayed it any longer. I did this because I don't want my parents to feel the shame of having a son like me. I'm a pathetic coward and subhuman. Since I'm an atheist, I believe there's no afterlife, so I was scared to die, and I wanted them to die so they didn't suffer knowing how much of a pathetic subhuman I was. It's all very selfish. I'm just pathetic. Unquote.
0: He wrote that he had lied to his parents for three years about attending university, and that instead of attending classes, he would go to a local mall each day and sometimes work out at a nearby gym. He wrote that he became depressed, became an atheist, and ultimately created this plan. So it's all. Coming out. The
1: truth is all yeah. coming out. But the truth yeah. could have come out like before. A lot earlier. He, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, as some of the gamers attempted to keep him busy chatting, others were trying to figure out who he was and where he lived. Austin called 911 in Texas, but they couldn't help. One gamer who lived in Tunisia called Crime Stoppers International. Finally, by tracking down his IP address, they figured out that he lived in Toronto, Canada. But they still didn't know where in
0: Toronto, nor his full name. Around midnight, Zaman saw the headlights of his father's taxi swing into the driveway and heard the garage door open. He stepped away from his computer and confronted his father in the garage, bludgeoning him with the same crowbar he'd used to attack his other family members. Then he returned to his computer and wrote, quote, I've just slaughtered my entire family, unquote. Oh, Well, that's not something you see every day.
1: (laughs) I choose to kill them instead out of my own cowardice. I know it might sound confusing, but what's done is done. And what had been planned has been concluded. He then said he would be turning himself in, writing, I deserve punishment.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, you do. Yeah. A user in Minnesota was able to contact Toronto police who alerted York Regional Police, but it took them most of the day to track down Zaman's location in Markham.
1: Now we're going to get into the investigation and the arrest.
0: Hit it, Beth! At around 3 p.m., police officers knocked on the front door to do a wellness check of the family. Manez wrote to his friends on Discord, quote, the police are here. Goodbye. Unquote. Before signing off one last time. Wow. And I think that was the last
1: message he ever posted. He ever posted. Yep. So York Regional Police arrested Menaz Zaman at the scene and charged him with four counts of first degree murder. The autopsy showed that Zaman initially hit each of the four victims, likely with a crowbar, and then slit their throats. Now we're going to get into
0: the trial. What the what, Beth? In September 2020, Zaman pleaded guilty to three counts of first degree murder of Firoza, Monaruz, and Maleza, and one count of second degree murder of Momtaz. And I'm not really sure why they did it that way, but that's the way they did it.
1: Yeah, I was curious about that also.
0: Yeah, the only thing I can think is because Momtaz was the first Mm, to be killed. Okay. Because I think first degree murder is more planned out. Yeah. So they maybe. Yeah, and that was probably that some good, as good lawyering
1: um, by yeah, his defense the, attorney's the part. Defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. Zaman said in an agreed statement of facts that he'd killed his family because they were about to find out he had lied for years about going to York University to become an engineer.
1: At the sentencing hearing in November 2020. So this is like, coronavirus time. Like we're yeah. all in the pandemic yep. in the pandemic. Yep. Um, he apologized to anyone he had impacted negatively with his killings. At the hearing, the Crown and the defense agreed that parole ineligibility should run 25 years concurrently for the first degree murder charges, plus 15 years of parole ineligibility for the second degree murder count, making his total parole ineligibility 40 years.
0: The judge was openly damning about his actions and said that what he'd done was deeply disturbing and deserving of severe punishment. She said, quote, words such as brutal, cruel, cold, and callous do not begin to convey the enormity of his violence. Mm -hmm. It is difficult to imagine a more horrific way to take a human life than by slitting the victim's throat. Mm -hmm. Mr. Zaman did so not just once, but four separate times over a span of hours, unquote. Woo. Yeah.
2: 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're going to get. You're gonna hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends, trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3am the comedy horror podcast not for the faint or fragile of heart let's go
1: so now we're going to get into where are they now well i'll tell you zaman is currently serving his prison sentence at central east correctional center a.k.a. Lindsay Jail in Lindsay Lohan, Ontario. Just kidding. It's just regular (laughs) Lindsay, Ontario. He is expected to live in the prison without the possibility of parole until 2060. He'll be 64 years old when he is first eligible to apply for parole.
0: The murder sent a current of fear through the Bangladeshi Canadian community about the clash between traditional expectations and the realities of immigrant children growing up in North America. Many of the families his friends had thought of menas as an ideal child. Yeah, and just those two words make
1: me really uncomfortable. Like ideal child,
0: nobody wants to be the ideal child. Nobody wants that. No, and it's too much pressure. It's too much, and 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 it's
1: what is it? It's not even a real thing. Yeah, we just want real children to be like happy, healthy humans. Yeah, that's what I
0: want. Right.
1: So it, it, um, it's interesting. So a couple of weeks after the murders, their friends came together in Taylor Creek Park for a picnic, the way they had so often with Moni Ruse and Mumtabs before to mourn the family. They gathered together to pray. The parents were scared. Could anything have, have been done to prevent his crimes? Were they overlooking signs of distress in their
0: own children? Mm. Two months after the murders, 30 of Zaman's friends and neighbors attended a seminar held by the Vision Infinite Foundation. The organization is meant to help the Bangladeshi-Canadian community with health and career-related issues.
1: That's pretty cool. That there's something like That's that in very Kennedy, cool.
0: Canada for the yeah. community.
1: Um, it's run by Shahid Khander, who lives around the corner from the Zaman's former home. The seminar was designed to address the communication gap between kids and parents. Yeah, there's a huge generational gap between your immigrant parents and you and with a psychiatrist and psychologist on hand to answer questions. So now we're going to get into what we think made him snap and our takeaways. What do you think, Beth, my friend?
0: Well, we don't really need to speculate about it because he told us. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He said, I wanted them to die so that they didn't suffer knowing how much of a pathetic subhuman I was. It's yeah. all very selfish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it was very selfish. He obviously had self-esteem issues yeah. and uh, just couldn't handle it when his lies were going to be exposed. Um I can't relate to the murder part. Yeah. But I can relate to the part about not wanting to tell your parents that you fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was planning this for 3 years. Yeah. So it was 3 years mm-hmm. of feeling bad about yourself because you're fucking up and you're not you're not doing, doing anything yeah, about it and yeah you're not talking to anybody about it you're living a fake life for three years yeah so I yeah. Think
1: there, it, it would you call him a, a sociopath or a psychopath what i don't know because
0: the murders are so awful yeah there's pretty and awesome. to be able to do that mm-hmm. i don't know what has to be wrong with you to be able to do that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It,
1: it all seems um, like, uh, I was under the impression, I, I agree with you completely, um, but the word that comes to mind is twisted. And he, you know, I remember learning about the word facade and he put this weird facade on for, he was one character on the internet. He was another character with his family and another character in the world. And then they, they right. didn't jive. And it was none of, maybe. None of them talked to the none other None of them ones. talked to the other ones. <laughs> and it, it was like, it was too much. When the big reveal yeah. was going to come, that was, it was just too much. It was too much. much. Yeah. and I you know, I've been very honest on the show about, I've had struggles with suicidal thoughts and feelings, et cetera. Um, but I've been lucky enough to have support. Um, but his, I I just wonder what would we say? Would we call him his actions selfish if he had just killed himself? I'm wondering, I don't know. I just, it was a thought that, I had, and I'm just putting it out there. Um, Also his culture. um, My impression is they have tremendous respect for elders. And his grandma was one of the first people he killed. What the heck? Um, And then the family values that he was, you know, that his parents like poured into him, his family poured into him and he seemed to be going along with, and didn't give any indication that it wasn't, um it wasn't working for him like he could have said this isn't
0: my this isn't my path i don't like this um and, and my understanding is that um his sister melissa mm-hmm. she did push back yeah and that's what was causing like all the, the conflicts with her parents when she was a teenager right right but- you know, sometimes we think that the kid who is causing all the problems mm-hmm. when they're a teenager is, you know, the troubled child. Yeah. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes yeah. it's the kid who goes along with everything mm-hmm. and who doesn't cause you any problems. That's the kid you need to worry about.
1: That is a really good point. That is a really good point. You got to you gotta watch those quiet ones. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's because, you know, they they're not pushing back. When you're a teenager, that's what that's you do. That's pretty natural do. to do. That's yeah. part of how you grow, yeah. I think. And um, so if you're not pushing back and you're just going along with the flow, you may not know who you are mm-hmm. and you might not know, you know, what to do. Right. And you're not reaching out to anybody. And so that that's causing a lot of inner turmoil. So that's why. Yeah. You know,
1: and yeah. yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That inner turmoil, I'm glad you said that, because um it, it will come out eventually. And yeah. it did. Um. Yeah. Also, the expectations were pretty high for him. Um. To succeed, yeah. it was like and I think in his mind, succeed or die. Felt like he could do it. Yeah. yeah. And he. Yeah. yeah.
0: Exactly. And also, I found interesting that he trolled Muslim immigrants in particular, and that's uh, where that self hate their... comes from. Right. That well, returning the gun on yourself. If he was angry at himself or his parents,
1: I think both. That self hatred. Yeah. You know. Um. He so. He turned to atheism, um, just com- right. just a complete rejection of the religion and the culture that you were brought up in because um, I a, a self-hate kind of manifests in different ways. Um, I, as a black person who grew up Christian, like have a really <laughs> – I'm still unpacking it. I'm talking to my therapist about it tomorrow. But um, – it's self-hate is real and, and, and it causes you, I think of a bully, a a bully who's, um, uh, maybe bullied at home by parents or an older sibling and takes it out on the the kids on the bus or the kids at school. It's that, it's that acting out what's kind of what you internalize on other people. Yeah, And, um, there is help for it. Right. But if you don't know, or you're afraid to seek it out, um, then, then you don't get it. Um, yeah. And so, uh, I, uh, think that was a contributing factor. I, I was also struck by in watching the documentary, how people who people who are customarily ignored in society, the people on the internet, the, the gamers who, um, are able introverts. to, these introverts yeah. who really in my, in my, they, 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 felt like superheroes to me. Um, Like the woman who, I can't remember her name, but you know, she's maybe not Nicole, maybe not conventionally beautiful. Um, The people of color, the people in countries that we might hear the country's name and think, oh, I don't want to mess with that. You know what I mean? As Americans. Um, But who acted heroically and with great humanity and care in real life to try to defeat
0: this yeah, um, doing everything they doing could to try could. and yeah. stop this Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I thought, and then when they couldn't stop it then you know at least to tr- try to get him caught so that yes. he couldn't do anything else yes yeah. and I
1: thought that that was really like uh, it felt like in a really tragic story uh, a really um, wonderful remark thing to behold to see to see yeah. people who typically would have been ignored or been like oh, they're you know they're they're not they're not this they're not that but they did something pretty amazing and i think that yeah. that was really cool so
0: that was cool those are my, yeah. those
1: are my takes well 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 If it isn't how not to get murdered, (laughs) nice for you to show your face. Uh, Just kidding. Um, If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you.
0: this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. Ooh, for Rand, you got a whole
1: of tips because it's do. robin season, it's the holidays, it's robin, it's robin season, robin yep. season.
0: It's, it is. All so, right. what we do got, you got some holiday safety <laughs> tips for you. Love it, love it. So, uh, here they go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure all doors and windows have secondary locks, mm. like window pins, dead bolts, dowels, etc. And use them. Yes. Don't hide spare keys in mailboxes or planters or under doormats. This drives me nuts. Not Don't during do robin it, guys. season.
1: Not during nope. robin season.
0: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> ensure that dark areas and entrances have outdoor lights that are turned on after dark or are activated by sensors. Mm. Keep trees and shrubbery trimmed so that they do not conceal doors and windows. Overgrown foliage can provide a hiding place for criminals. Yes. Don't want that. No. Place gifts where they can't be seen from the outside. You don't want people getting into your house to rob you and then, you know, Maybe kill you. Wow, you look that. at all
1: those Christmas gifts. Murder, yeah. murder, murder.
0: Bye. <laughs> Use caution. Anytime there's a stranger at your door, be suspicious of unexpected sale calls or deliveries. Absolutely. Ask for identification. Mm-hmm. Um, or, yeah. Yeah, uh, thank you. you. Know, don't yes. open the door until, you know, you know who it is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if, you know, if somebody comes to your door and they say, you know, I need help with my car, or something, you know, you can say, I'll call a number for you. Yeah. Or I'll call AAA, yep. I will call 911. Yeah. Don't open your door. Thank yeah. you. Yes. Don't advertise expensive toys, electronics, or other gifts received. By leaving the boxes out for garbage collection. This, this <laughs> one drives
1: me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Because, I, I, and I'm really, really paranoid about it. But we all should be because it just makes you a target.
0: Yeah. Excellent tip. And you don't, you know, you don't want people to steal your stuff. No. But more important, you don't want people to hurt you or your family. Right. And they might mm-hmm. if they rob your house. If they think so. they, if
1: you got stuff that they want,
0: yeah. Yeah. During Robin season, all bets yep. are off. <laughs> So compress large boxes, um, maybe turn them inside out so you can't tell what they are or place them in black garbage bags Mm -hmm. for pickup. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Or um, one thing we did when we we were living in an apartment for a little while while we were um, getting situated here and we put our boxes in like other people's dumpsters. I know you can get in trouble (laughs) for that, but I mean, what else is that? dumpster for? (laughs) So if you can... um, throw them away at school or throw the boxes away at work or throw the boxes away at a car wash or somewhere and make sure nobody's following you when you leave. Yeah. Thumbs up. <laughs> um, all right. Well, now it's shout out time where we shout out any content by people of color or about people of color or any other marginalized folks in the world or any true crime goodies. This is a BIPOC story. Okay. And it's called From Scratch on Netflix. Have you watched it? I Oh, my no. God. It's like a marshmallow for your eyes. <laughs> and it like tugs on your heartstrings. And I was not interested in it because the the thumbnail on my Netflix was Zoe Saldana, who um I have had mixed feelings about since she decided she could play Nina Simone. Now, anyway... Hmm. Do you know who Zoe Saldana is? The the lady from Avatar. I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she's awful light skinned, and Nina Simone is very dark. And she believed okay, okay. that it was appropriate um, for, her for her to, to portray her. a very okay. dark skinned black woman. And some black people never forgave her. I am not I that am. petty. Okay, so okay. and I don't hold grudges. So. Anyway, but Black Twitter was like, I'm sobbing. (laughs) uh, I was like, what is going on over here? So I tuned in. I'm like, four episodes in and it's this romance between the chef from Italy and he is so yummy and cooks the yummiest food and he's in love with Zoe Saldana (laughs) and they're both like young and pursuing their dreams and on this life journey of love and food and resilience and the the um dynamic between the italian culture and apparently sicilians are like the um bottom of the caste systems in italy which i didn't know oh, um i didn't know that so either. he's sicilian and she's black american and so, oh my god it is just so funny. so it's starring zoe saldana eugenio mastradenia and keith david he's the dad who's always like oh son if he ain't got lauris on it i don't want it that guy so anyway, it's really it's so far. I'm really loving it.
0: So what do you got? It sounds fun. Yeah, yeah I have to fun. check that it's out. Fun. So I wanted to shout out Internet Hate Machine podcast. Who? Oh, Bridget Todd. Yes. Yeah. Oh,
1: I love her. Do you know she follows us? No, it, does she? Oh yeah, because I've I've messaged her like Bridget Todd. We're Holy on shit. the same like wavelength. Hello, be my best friend. Um, Holy shit. Yeah.
0: So anyway. So yeah, she'll like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Bridget Todd explains how bad actors use the internet to target and silence marginalized people, especially black women. Mm-hmm. Bridget talks about people who have been targets of coordinated attacks, activists who are fighting back and experts to help break down the agenda behind it. And it's really good and it's really interesting and yeah. informative. Oh, so. I'm
1: so I'm so glad Bridget Todd is on the internet, like exposing this. I can't believe nobody thought of this before because... Because this happens yeah. to women so much, so relevant All the time. Yes, and yeah oh man, thank you so much for shouting that out. Yeah. So we've got From Scratch on Netflix and Internet Hate Machine, a podcast by Bridget Todd. Wherever you get your podcasts. No, it's the end. <laughs> no! <laughs> oh, no,
0: it's okay. We'll be back next week. Beth. Beth! <laughs> I'll see you in two days for extra. All my (laughs) life, I had to pod. A girl ain't safe in a room full of pods.
1: I had to fight my podcaster. I had to fight that podcaster. Oh, Lord. But in the meantime, Beth, where could the people find us? I'm sorry. Like holding the walls, you uh, you really should. We really should start video because I get so crazy during this. You would, my, my mom would be ashamed. Anyway, where can the people find us, Beth? Are you okay over there, Beth, yeah, are you okay? I'm, dying. I'm dying. <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm gonna sleep so good knowing that you. I made you laugh so hard. That's my Oprah Winfrey impression That's from the movie good. The Color Purple. Thank yes, you. I've been practicing yes. since I was eight. I recognized it. you did. i did okay i'll stop
0: our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use fruitloopspod for all of our social media join our discussion on facebook at fruitloopspod discussion if you want to support the show you can send us a donation on the cash app just google fruitloopspod cash app or you can become a monthly patron through patreon and as always we have merch for sale on our website that's right This is a weekly
1: podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's
0: crazy out there.